Hello, everybody. Ella J here on behalf of WrestleZone. And today I am joined by the violence artist, Charlie Evans. Charlie, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic to be catching up with you. You've had a, a whirlwind of a last year. Obviously, you dropped an exciting project last year, which you'll have to check out the last time I chatted with you. But, you know, I kind of wanted to start off today by breaking down your nickname a little bit of the violence artist. I get it. You know, you've competed in a lot of death and hardcore matches. Wrestling itself is also kind of a performance art, I think. But when and how did you adopt this nickname? I'm curious. What are is there an origin story to this? Honestly, I just thought it sounded cool. <laughs> and I was like, I always I have started, you know, around the time when I started going as that, I was like, you know what? Like I'm creating like a body of work and like both my parents are artists. I'm very artistic. So if I could bring that into wrestling, do you know what I mean? And that just violence artist sounded cool. Yeah. So I, I didn't know that both of your parents were artists. I think that itself is amazing. Obviously you're an artist in your own way as well, but can you tell me more about uh, your parents' background in art and what art means to your family? Yeah. So my mom is like a scrapbooker slash like, she did scrapbooking for a very long time and has more moved into like art journaling and like mixed media art. And she has like, honestly, I think more followers than me on Instagram. So you can check her out if you want, Scrap Witch. Um, she's on there. I share her all the time. She's so good. And then um, my dad um, used to be a sign writer when he was younger. And then he also makes like um, things from old recycled skateboards. And oh, I just started I would follow him as well. Um, he does. I literally, they're like sitting in my, I can literally get some, but um, they're amazing. They're like hundreds of like different skateboards layered together to make things. So they rock. That's kind of like upcycling, but with, that's really cool. I mean, obviously you skateboard, so I'm sure that you've ridden a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. He has so many like old boards that have snapped in half and just makes cool things out of them. Now, for you, you know, you obviously have that background in in art inherently ingrained in your DNA, kind of. You mentioned, too, you you yourself are obviously an artist in the ring, but in are you an artist in any other facets of life, or what type of art do you enjoy? Um, I have always been really creative. So yeah. all throughout school, I did art and I did music. Um, we also have a subject here called entertainment. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if America has it, but it's all about like lighting and production and stuff like that. So for like shows, we and have stuff. like television production in like, not in like high school and stuff, unless you're in like theater, I guess. But like in college, I know they have like majors and programs for like TV productions and lighting and all of that stuff. But a lot of it's obviously tied to theater unless you're going to like journalism too, but go on, sorry. Yeah. So yeah, we had that in like high school. So that was cool. So I did that all throughout high school. Um, I'm not super like artist. I wish I was, I wish I could draw. Um, cause that'd be sick. Um, but I don't know. I've painted some entrance jackets. I painted my friend who just debuted. I painted his entrance jacket and it actually turned out really good. So I'll claim it. <laughs> okay. 
that sounds good. I love too that you can kind of like apply, um, even if you're not the like the most artistic person, I certainly am not. You can kind of, especially in like your ring gear, you can make like painted. I know you've done a lot of cool things with your gear specifically and all of that, your aesthetic, but kind of talking about now the the violence aspect, obviously, like you said, you're no stranger to competing in some pretty intense contests. For you, I'm I'm curious, what has been the most violent obviously violent or wild thing that you've done in a wrestling ring um I feel like besides the like obviously like I feel like the death matches are yes. you know like getting glass broken in your mouth is pretty crazy that's probably that's scary <laughs> now what kind of glass was it was it like a light tube I've had it done twice to me by Ricky Shane Page and Cole Radrick, and they put the tube in your mouth and they snap it. I'd be scared it, to like swallow oh, some. Yeah, me too. Probably did. <laughs> Girl. Well, I, I, I really just bites it. Have you seen that? She just like yeah. has a chomp. Disgusting. I'd it's be so like, well, the, the dentists are making good money from that. So the dentists are keeping, <laughs> you're keeping the dentists in business, <laughs> Charlie. I can't think of anything worse than like chomping down Ooh. some glass. Yeah, because it would just suck. Yeah, and I don't again. I don't know if there's like fumes in the light tubes. I don't really know the chemical balance of that, but that probably there's still a little right. bit of of that residual too. But I, I mean, you've also seen a lot of crazy things, you know, other than kind of like the tropes, like a thumbtacks, barbed wire, light tubes. Is there any kind of spot or weapon that you've witnessed in a match that you have or maybe want to incorporate into the future into your own work? No, but I know the things that I won't do. <laughs> okay. Well, like, there's a bunch of stuff that's just crazy, like those Kenzans that go in your head, like the, they're for, like, floral. The skewers? Skewers are fine. Love skewers. Okay. I'll do them. I'll let you do it. Right oh, now. yeah, you've done them, yeah. I'll do them, but, like, those, like, they're, like, these tiny little circles and they have spikes in the end of them. They're tiny. But they're four literal floral arrangements. And people whack them in their heads, and there's, like, a video of... I think it's Matt Tremont getting it pulled out of his head, like with pliers because they can't get it out. It's disgusting. It looks terrible. So I won't do that. Um, I don't like barbed wire because my hair. It's fair point. So there's a few things that I'm just like, pass up on that because it just, oh, there's like this one dude in Melbourne from Australia named Jordan Sampson and he doesn't wear shoes. And you he know, does death. You know what's cr now death matches? That's a little bit scarier to be doing it because I I've seen a rise in people like not wearing shoes in the ring, like which is I guess fine, whatever. But when you're doing death matches and like you step on stuff, you're basically like you're just setting yourself up. But I guess it's, he's it's, a tough dude. It's it's like incredible to watch, but also terrifying because I feel like there's so many things in your feet. <laughs> Now, I'm curious if he's competed in a Lego match before or stepped on I Legos. I'm sure he has. He's like, he steps on like thumbtacks all the time. He did a spot with like, um, like plastic forks. Yeah. And double stomped them. And I was like, I was literally ringside for it. And I was like, you are a fucking madman. Respect. Respect. Yeah, respect. <laughs> respect. <laughs> you got well, no brain. 
we know what you won't do, obviously, but like we said, you are an artist in the ring. I'd also say that your Instagram feed is also art. Just looking at your feed, you know, it's clear you're drawn to the black and white aesthetic, which I love too. Your photo book last year was obviously inspired by that as well. So I'm curious to know more about your fascination with kind of the black and white aesthetic or maybe what it symbolizes to you in a sense. It just looks much nicer. Like, so I, I started it, to be fair, I started it at a very, like, down point in my life. So I probably was a bit, like, emo. Um, and, but once you start doing it, you can't just stop and start posting in colour again because it looks a bit silly. <laughs> right. I, sometimes I regret because I'm like, oh, this photo looks so good in colour. So i got to do, like, the swipey and, like, have it in black and white and then in colour. But it does just look much nicer. I think so too. I think especially with your nickname as the violence artist, like, you know, you know how the, there's some photos that are like all black and white, but then they have that pop of color, like it's red or something. I don't know if you've done that, but I feel like it would definitely work if you're like yeah. d- drenched in blood. Maybe you've already done that, but I feel like a pop of color, even with yeah. black and white in the background, but still, it still works, I think. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, for sure. I don't know there's a term for it, but I can't think of it. But, you know, when it comes to kind of your own fashion and kind of your own aesthetic, you obviously gravitate towards a lot of the darker colors. But I've seen you rock some softer looks as well, um, especially around certain holidays. But for you, how would you describe your overall style or where do you typically draw inspiration from in regards to your fashion? Oh, I So Connor is, plays a big part in this because, honestly, before we were together, black and white all the time, like, religious like my whole wardrobe was black um but he is so into fashion and kind of like you know going outside your comfort zone and trying different things and seeing if they work and having the confidence to do it as well so when I started like talking to him he was like oh you look good in this color so I started I don't know trying all this different shit on and honestly it's sick it's so much more fun than just having only black clothes <laughs> so I've been playing around a lot more I have to, we have too many clothes now it's actually quite bad like our wardrobe is a bit ridiculous who do you think has more you or Connor well it's good because we share yeah. yeah so it's great like I I'm a lot into like baggy clothes too so it works so I fit like most of his his pants and stuff and then I loved oversized t-shirts so it's really good. We honestly, like, we'll go shopping and we'll, like, buy it together. Because I'm like, if we can both wear this, this is great. I want him to wear, like, skirts. I don't think he would, but that'd be cool. I mean, he's the one who pushed you to go out of your comfort zone. You can be like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know? If you don't like it, fine. But, like, you know, try it. Like, androgynous looks are, like, I like it. But, yeah, I think right now I'm super inspired by, like, hardcore music um like band merch but like cool band merch not shit band merch um super big into like tree camo okay the dazzled like trashy looking things like you know like the juicy like you know like all bedazzled like it looks like ill but it looks fucking sick yeah love that i've really got into bandanas (laughs) I haven't posted any photos yet, but I've I've been wearing bandanas recently. Now there there's many ways people wear them around your neck. You can wear it like as a headband. Um, how have you been styling them? Or I see like a like a full yeah. like headband. Yeah. Okay. 
I know. I know. I saw someone post on Instagram and I was like, that's sick. Yeah. The, Instagram especially is like, um, not that I go on Pinterest, but like Tumblr back in the day, that was like all my shit for fashion, you know? Instagram is obviously huge for um inspo. Obviously your feed there is very, I love your feed. I feel like maybe it's like a little bit, bit of the emo kid in me too, growing up on the <laughs> Tumblr days. For, to me, it's like brings back good memories, Charlie. It's like nostalgic in a way, I feel like. I feel like if you're like a Tumblr girl, you have a good Instagram feed. I don't really have a good Instagram feed, but I, I was and still am a Tumblr girl. So, you know, that that's always ingrained in me. But you mentioned to kind of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, you know, obviously your only fans, that is a huge thing, a way for you to express yourself as well um, and kind of intertwines with your wardrobe. Has there been something in the fashion or like style department that um, can you kind of describe an outfit or a look that you really felt you pushed yourself out of your, your comfort zone? that maybe you didn't think you'd like but you actually did um I have this I bought this shirt in Melbourne Melbourne's great if anyone ever comes to Melbourne that's where you need to go shopping okay. in Melbourne um and it was like it's from this little vintage store and, it was, store and it was like a reworked um kind of like bike like you know people that ride bikes like yeah. and they wear like like tight body thing yeah it was like a reworked like crop top of like a bike shirt and I thought I, it's like yellow and pink and fucking yeah. like, and I was like, I don't know if I'll be able to pull this off, <laughs> but I wore it to Ash Nico and I was like, this is the one place that I can wear this and like, be like, I'm okay. So I think that, yeah. Have that you posted pretty- that? I have. I have. Can it's in black and white, but if you swipe, you'll see the color. <laughs> Got it. Okay. How recent, do you recall how recent this might've been? Maybe like two months ago. Okay. I'll check it out after this because I'm curious. I want to see what it looks like. Um, You know, obviously you have that fascination with fascion and all of that. But another fascination I know is one that I share too, and that's crystals and tarot cards and things of that sort. I myself have a crystal collection and some witchy related items. But for you, where or how did this fascination with crystal and tarot start? So my mom's a witch. So from birth there's always been like crystals and tarot and incense and candles all around my house. Um, so it kind of just like, you know, stuck with me. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I went to a Catholic school. Yeah. Like same. Yeah. From like kinder to year 12 all the way through. Um, and like, I find that very interesting too. I find like religion and spirituality, like all like very, very like cool to kind of explore. But I was never like, oh, yeah, okay, this is for me at school. Um, so I think I'm definitely more spiritual than I am religious. Um, but, yeah, I love tarot and crystals and everything. I got I got a tarot card on me. Which I don't one? know if I had it last time. I got the world. Now, obviously, I know there's a meaning behind all of them. I don't know all the meanings. Do you know the meaning or significance behind that one? Mostly it's just like for me personally um, is like exploring yourself and like what the world has to offer. And you've been all across the world, which we'll get into in a bit, but I know a lot of people uh, with crystals, are there certain ones that you find yourself really gravitating towards, whether it be for the aesthetic or the metaphysical properties? Um, Amethyst. I'm very 
very attracted to. Um, that's my birthstone. So I feel like I've always like loved that. And that's like really like mostly the one I have. I have like clear quartz as well. Mm-hmm. I used to sleep with that under my pillow. Um, and then yeah, mostly those two, honestly. Yeah, I know I brought- amethyst is good for like anxiety and stress. I know that. Go on, sorry, you're gonna say something else. I bought like an emerald one um pretty recently as well. And I would bring that to the ring with me. Um, in like my jacket pocket. And I always like would hold it before I wrestled for like safety and stuff. So I thought that was nice. Yeah, I I feel like my collection keeps growing. There's just something about them, you know, like I mean there's certain ones, you know, like I'm drawn to aesthetically, but there's a bunch of them where I'm like actually into it because of the properties and stuff like that. Um, I know a lot of people use crystals for manifesting, and I know you are still manifesting your dream match against Eddie Kingston. So can you tell us more about why this match holds so much significance and value to you? And coolest he's the best wrestler I've ever seen in my whole life like there is no like I feel like I started watching Eddie when he was in Chikara yeah it's my fucking I hadn't seen anything like him do you know what I mean like he was just like so like rough and like just the way he moved and the way he structured matches probably when I started watching I wasn't thinking about the way he structured matches but I was like like going back and I'm like the way that he he puts things together and it's like it's slow and that's why I like to wrestle like we can like we can drag this out for at least 20 minutes um so I just loved him and then I met him and it was I was frightened um (laughs) (laughs) I had a couple experiences with that with other people go on (laughs) he was like so I had just moved to England yeah and I, we were the house that we lived in. Every like, everyone was there. At all, like, it was a bit ridiculous. There was a lot of people there. And one time, I was just in my room, and I heard his voice, and I was like, "Did you know he was coming?" No, <laughs> absolutely no idea. And so I was like, "Oh my god!" And then he like opened the door, and he's like, "Hello!" And I was like, ah. <laughs> "So I met him then." And then he was there for a show. So we kind of like talked a little bit, but not much. Mm. And that was in like 2017. Yeah. And then like a year later, um, we were in New Orleans for WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. And I was at one of the venues and I, he was over there. So I went and said hello. And he was like, oh, hi, I'm Eddie. Nice to meet you. And I was like, no, he's forgotten me. Oh my God. <laughs> he goes, just joking as if I forget you. And I was like, I would have like cried. That's one of my worst fears. Like, right? I'm like, fuck. I was like, oh no, I'm so unmemorable. But then he was like, no, I'm fucking with you. And I was like, okay, this is fantastic. <laughs> um, and then he did a few more like short stints over in England. Um, and then he he lived with me for like three months. Um, the start of 2020, so like January until the pandemic, and he. Had- yeah he literally left like on a day's notice so he was meant to be there for longer but everything started shutting down so he was like I've got to go and I was like not fair I probably should have as well but I didn't so yeah I just could have been no I just think like you know he 
he loves wrestling so much and it was so nice to be surrounded by someone like that um like he just lives and breathes it like all the time he was just he was like oh let's watch this match let's watch this match and like the way that he thinks and the way that he puts his stuff together and like his promos like while he was over there we went and filmed a promo and I was just there to watch and as soon as that camera started going it was just like fucking one take like it's he it's honestly just magic like how he can do it and so like I've known for ages like Eddie Kingston is like the match like yeah I just think I feel like I've emulated my style so close to what he like he does um obviously with like a lot of other influence as well but yeah. like I feel like he is like the inspiration so I just want this match so bad. No. why would I want to do it I don't understand we need to start a petition Charlie I know it's actually embarrassing like if I was a promoter I would do it like do you hate money I don't understand Charlie do you hate versus Eddie is money it is right there yeah. hashtag right there honestly i would if that happened i could happily never wrestle again i'd go yep yeah, all right i've done it i feel like it's got i know he's recovering from surgery and all of that but like it's it's gotta happen man i hope so but like i, I, I feel ahead. like no i want to like throttle someone and be like this is what i want <laughs> well i mean we, we need we need to get you back over to the states first i think or you know um i know there is like um a, what is it world series wrestling is bringing a lot of people over there later this year i think i, I don't know i think i would love to do it in america or england yeah i just think my like i have a lot obviously i feel like my main fan base is probably in england because that's where i spent most of my time yeah and then I would say secondly is America. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like, I feel like maybe because Twitter isn't a big thing in Australia. And so obviously I talk about it a lot on Twitter. Yeah. So I feel like my British fans and my American fans, they kind of understand like how much this truly you means. Do. Not that I don't think it would be, like obviously it would be amazing anywhere, but I just don't think it would be like the right environment in Australia. And especially since you two kind of met in the UK and also Eddie's kind of based in the States, you've done a lot of uh, deathmatch work in the States as well. You know, like it could work in either of them. It makes, I feel like those two makes the most sense, you know, um, and you're no stranger to traveling, but you know, through your interactions with Eddie or maybe even watching him, you say you, you've em emulated a lot of stuff. What things specifically have you learned from your interactions with him or from watching him that you've kind of absorbed? Just like the way that he sells. Um, and I think I picked up a lot of that from my time in Japan as well. Um, and obviously he's super, super inspired yeah. by Japanese wrestling. So I can see absolutely where that come from. Um, so I would probably say like he's selling and just like the pacing of things. Um, I know that he's like a big Kings Road style fan. Yeah. So I like... The way that he sets his matches out is just like slow and methodical and like it kind of picks up towards the end and I like I really like that like I would much rather have a 20 minute match than like a 10 because I feel like I can like put the same amount into that 10 minute match but I could also put the same amount into that yeah. 20 minute match it mean a lot more 
So mostly like selling and structure. Yeah, especially to those are so important. I feel like as as fans, you know, obviously we're just like enjoying the moments, but I feel like as wrestlers, you come to have an appreciation for the finer details, like you said, the structure and the selling too. So you can definitely see that in your work. Um, and I mean, you kind of have to be when you're selling a lot of hardcore stuff. Um, but, you know, you mentioned Japan. You've had the opportunity to travel across the world in places like the U.S., Europe, Japan, and obviously your home country of Australia is right there as well. But I'm curious, has there been a certain experience that you have found to be very rewarding for your wrestling career or even just for you personally? Um, Probably, probably Japan. And I feel like that's probably the answer for a lot of people. Like, I just think I really, like, discovered myself and my style and and what I wanted to be as a wrestler while I was there and it kind of just all like I start I feel like it was where I like actually got confidence in the ring um and it was like the end of 2019 I wouldn't say like my first tour um was like this time in 2019 and I think I was just like kind of warming up to it. Like it was very different. It was my first time in Japan. Like we were in the dojo a lot. So it was like pretty full on. Um, But then later as I got more comfortable, like towards like November, December of the 2019, I was like, okay, like I understand. Like this is, this is what I'm doing. This is like, (laughs) like it, it just all came together. So definitely like that last tour of Japan. And you talk about kind of finding yourself and who you want to be. You all, you just said, obviously, you want to have structure in your matches and sell. Who, who? I mean, you, you've had an expansive career. You're coming up on, on nine years, I believe it is, this December, which is crazy to think about. Um, but who do you want to be? Or who do you think that you are as a performer right now? How would you kind of describe yourself? Um, I think I'm, like, at this point and it's strange right because like being in Australia sometimes it's really easy to feel forgotten about and I never really like got like Shaz would say it all the time and like I was like oh yeah well like I don't really understand but now that I I am here and I've kind of like slowed down a little bit like I do really like feel forgotten about sometimes especially from like England it's and, not as exce- uh, PWA easily accessible, but like everything else, you know, isn't accessible. At least I don't know how it is in the UK and stuff, but to like American fans. Yeah. Like I have to sometimes just see gifts or like short clips. I'm not able to watch the full thing to a lot of it. So I get that yeah. frustration. And like, there just isn't, there just isn't as much wrestling as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, obviously there's good and bad wrestling everywhere, but like the good here is fucking incredible. Like it is like world-class, like PWA is like the top of the fucking top. So I'm lucky in that sense that like we have such a fucking great company here. Um, But obviously I just can't wrestle as often as I'm used to. So I feel like right now I'm just like making the most of every time I get to wrestle. Um, so just kind of like proving myself here and like trying to make people not forget about me. It's like kind of feel like where I'm at as well. So it's a weird feeling, but it's like, 
exciting and like I like it and I've been training a lot too so and training with Madison Eagles so that's great and I'm only getting better and better every fucking session so I know and you know we were talking about opportunities obviously you've had opportunities in Japan and all across the world but you did also recently have the opportunity to team with a very good friend of yours Jessica Troy for the first time in like two years so how did that feel to reunite with Jessica in that facet and tell us more about your friendship with her oh I loved it it was so good and we had wanted to be like we've wanted to wrestle the velocities for so long Mm -hmm. so that was like really good that that got to happen um and I hope we get to do it again because Will Kiedis fucked the end (laughs) no one won so we need to do it again and see but it's always so nice like it's just nice tagging with people and also wrestling people that are just your friends and they're kind of on the same wavelength as you and it's not a stressful situation you know like it's open to everyone throwing out their ideas and we can all put it together together so it was it was really nice and it's just like a nice like comforting feeling as well yeah especially when you're in there with people Jessica her own has really come into her own I feel like you know she's also one who's been in the scene for a while and with so many girls coming up I feel like you know, Shaz is over in the States now. I feel like Jessica's kind of, uh, you and Jessica, I feel like are the most experienced besides Madison, of course, and kind of Savannah Summers has been there a while too, but I feel like you guys are really like the vets and kind of the faces of Australia right now. Crazy, you know, that's insane. But like Jess for sure, like I feel like Jess has made Australia like her place, which is- I agree. Like she is, she's like the ace of PWA. Like there's no questions about it. Like, whoever's the champ, like, Ricky can be the champion, like, Cherry can be the salt of it. It's mm-hmm. Jess. Like, Jess is the heart of PWA. I know. Um, and it's so nice to see her, like, thrive and get these opportunities. Yeah, and uh, like you said, you know, you've been training under Madison Eagles, but I know you yourself had to take a step back from coaching and training talents as you returned to the States and the UK in 2021 and 2022. But now that you're back in Australia, have you returned to coaching or what is the status with that right now? Um, So I'm training at PWA. Um, So the main coaches there are Madison, Mick Moretti and Robbie. Obviously, Robbie is gallivanting all over the world as he should be um so I train with Madison um and I'll help her out sometimes because they do have quite big classes but I also just love learning from her like it is such a privilege and I feel like if you're in Sydney if you live in Sydney and you do not train at PWA you are doing yourself a disservice like I just cannot believe that there is like I travel two hours. I drive two hours one way to travel to train with Madison Eagles. Like it is so worth it. Tell us more about that experience, uh, learning and absorbing from Madison Eagles. It's so she's so incredibly good, and obviously we was I was so lucky because when I started she was my trainer as well. So kind of from the get go we were taught, you know everyone's equal we treat everyone exactly the same everyone wrestles exactly the same everyone trains the same way so I was like very blessed to have that from the start um and it's just such a nice culture that they've built at the academy um it's so supportive like it is so it's so nice because it's you know Training is scary sometimes. Like I used to be like so nervous going to training, but you walk in and no matter how hard it is, there is people there to say, you can do it. You can get through it. Come on. We're not going to finish. 
like before you were all going to finish together. And it's just such a nice, like warming feeling to be a part of something that that's supportive. Um, and then obviously Madison had some time off um, and she's just come back to train or to coach. Um, but it's just insane. Like she, just the little things she picks up on, the little things that she tells you to do to make things better. Like it's, she's the best trainer I've ever had. Like she's fucking amazing. Yeah. And I know you said too, you've obviously stepped in a few times to also coach and train yourself at PWA and elsewhere before, but I feel like, especially I would say in the last three years, I feel like there's been a noticeable rise in the female talent in Australia. Like, I don't know if maybe it's just, I've just seen, been seeing so many new names pop up and I'm like, I need to follow you guys because I love keeping updated on the Australian scene. You've obviously gotten to work with some of them, but for you, who are maybe some talents that people maybe aren't talking about yet, or you think people should be keeping their eye on that are kind of newer to the scene? Um, Rita Stone. Yes is fucking great i wrestled her for the first time recently we've done a tag before um but we had our first singles recently she's incredible like can do everything is super tough she's going to be like one to watch shay cassidy as well um reminds me like a lot of me um she's going to be incredible like the the growth I've seen in her confidence over the last six or seven months is amazing and it's really, really cool to watch. So definitely those two are like, put your fucking radars on them. I've I've gotten to interview both of them and I, be, I believe it was talking with Rita because I know she had that, I think you, like you said, it was a tag match, but I think you left for the States shortly after that. So then it kind of got cut short, but you obviously the full circle, you're now back in Australia. I know she was looking forward. She had very nice things to say about you kind of training with you and working with you. So it's kind of cool now. I I mean, you're, you're the veteran now. It's probably got to feel weird. You know, you're only 26 still, but you know, you're like the veteran in one of the faces of it. So I think that's something to, you're like kind of like a pioneer now. It's kind of crazy to think about. It is. That's crazy. But yeah, those two are so fucking cool. Like they're going to be so good. Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about like what you've learned and how you've grown as well. You know, you've been very successful in your own journey, but wrestling obviously is not an easy industry to maneuver through, especially, you know, as an indie wrestler, I can imagine. But what would you say are maybe some of the biggest challenges that you've faced, not including like travel issues and stuff, because that just it happens inherently. But what are some of the biggest challenge you faced in your career and how did you kind of cope or manage them? Um, I think just trying to surround yourself with like good people is probably like the biggest thing that looking back on everything, um, that's like the number one thing that I would say, like be around people that are supportive and like want you to do well and want, you know, if you're doing well, everyone else is doing well. Like it's like a nice family dynamic that you need to like have, not just people that are like out for themselves. Cause there is a lot of that, unfortunately. And, you know, a lot of like high school drama that people don't need to you don't need to involve yourself in so just surround yourself with like a good supportive friend group I feel like too that's very hard to find especially in wrestling like when you said there's so many politics and drama and all that stuff so keeping yourself kind of level-headed um which you've managed to do which is a really really good thing because I feel like not a lot of people have been able to do that 
I try. Yeah, it, it, you get caught up in it. Like it, it, it just, it's shit that it happens. Yeah. But you know, just you know what a good person and a bad person is. So just don't, don't, don't be around the bad people. Yeah. Yeah. I have two more. I have two more questions for you, by the way, you know, obviously reflecting on your growth, but kind of now looking towards the future, you're still vibing around the Australian scene, but I know you want to go back to Japan. I know that that was, that is one while you're kind of in Australia right now, thinking about the future, what kind of goals personally and professionally are you kind of yearning to accomplish over this next year? Japan, obviously Japan like, (laughs) <laughs> the yeah. goal I, I want to wrestle Rina Yamashita in Japan like that would be a dream I want a main event GCW yes so I need to come back to America yes uh, please <laughs> I want to see you perform live damn it yes. oh my god right <laughs> yeah so I, I do really want to come back to America um hopefully towards the end of the year um that would be very nice I know Connor misses misses America a lot too so it would be nice to go back for a while. I do think if we go back again, I'd like it to be for a little bit longer. Um, the last time we went, it was like three weeks and it just went so quick. Yeah. That's too quick. Well, it, it goes by quick when you're having fun. Yeah. And I was like traveling, we went to all new places I'd never been to before. So like I would like, like two or three months, that'd be sweet. And Shaz lives there now, so I can go. I visit. know you. You got a place. I mean, I know she's still getting. She's still getting everything figured out. I I, me- I messaged her the other day. She's still getting her own stuff figured out. But uh, maybe just just show up, knock on her doorstep. <laughs> it's like super close to like where Connor's from, so that's good. Yeah. How has Connor been adjusting to Australia? Um, it's very different. Like it is very very different. But we like he loves it um obviously he misses home sometimes misses his friends and his family which is understandable it is it is a big culture shock and I know people probably don't think that it is but like everything is very different here America is so convenient like you can get anything you want at I any know. time and it's just not the same here like the shops close at 5 30 in the afternoon um it's like 10 I would say 10 p.m is probably the norm here for most shops crazy that's insane um you know stuff isn't open 24 hours um there isn't a lot of like fast food options compared to america your maccas we have maccas and kfc that's about it really jacks hungry jacks which is burger king interesting and that's honestly it like we don't have really anything else that's like open all the time um maybe you guys are health you guys are healthier though i presume oh yeah like (laughs) <laughs> we actually have a thing like a sugar tax here so like there can only be a certain amount of sugar in things and america does not have that i've never heard of that we would benefit from that i i i consume a lot of sugar i'm very guilty of that but that might actually help me to be honest like soda in america like i'll have one sip and i'll be like buzzed oh because it's so sugary like, i drink go- like two sodas a day that's so bad i know okay. No, I love soda too. Like okay. it's so good. But ours, like you if you put two in front of me and they're exactly the same, I could tell which one's American. Because one just has like fucking bulk sugar in it. Interesting. Which is great. Like it's crazy. But yeah. So that's different. <laughs> he says like Mountain Dew tastes different. Um and then, you know, like our pay rate here is quite good for like jobs and 
and stuff like that. So the cost of living is high, but I also feel like it's high in America. Depends what state you're in, but yes. Yeah. So I feel like it kind of evens out here a lot better than it does in America because I feel like American wages aren't very good. Again, depends. I'm in one of the higher paying minimum wage states, which is New York, but What's crazy, so I'm in New York. I think our minimum wage is around, like, just say $14. It's, like, between 14 to 15 A lot of the states, though, the minimum wage is seven twenty-five, which is literally half compared to other states, which is insane. Granted, they have a lower cost of living, but it's literally half, Charlie. <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, $7? Yeah. It's fucked. I know. That's bad. It's crazy. One state below me is Pennsylvania. They're like seven twenty-five. We're around fourteen, fifteen. It's crazy. That is, I just don't understand. So, like our, I think our minimum wage is around twenty-three. Holy moly! I'd have to convert it, but still. Yeah, but I still think it kind of it does even out because the last time I was in America, I was just buying a lot of stuff on my Australian card, mm-hmm. and when it would pop up in Australian dollars, I was like, "Well, this actually like doesn't really make sense." Because, like, Connor would always be like, oh, food here's so expensive. And we'd go out and get, like, the equivalent of, like, I don't know, Chipotle or something. Mm-hmm. And it'd be, like, 30 bucks for both of us. But then when I'd spend it in America and we'd do it, it'd be, like, 40 Australian. So I'm like, how? Like, I just don't understand how this happens. I don't either, Charlie. I, do, I don't have the answer. So I don't know. I think, like, I hope he's enjoying it. He tells me that he is. Yeah. Um, I just do think the quality of life is probably a lot more relaxed here so that's nice because you're not consuming as much sugar you probably eat better health so you're gonna yeah, have a better quality of life don't have guns but it's like it's it's nice it's chill everyone that's chill. a whole other conversation but yes yeah. you're absolutely right um yeah but to to close things out on a little bit more of a, a lighthearted or, or more fun <laughs> note, yeah. um, you're definitely one who isn't afraid to take risks and, like you said, kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone. Would you say you kind of have an adventurous spirit, I think? Yeah, I do think I'm pretty adventurous. But okay. I'm also very level-headed. <laughs> Fair so point. I don't do, like, you know... I weigh up my pros and cons before I do things. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, like, I wouldn't go skydiving. Like, okay. I, I'm not that adventurous. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. What it, What has been the most spontaneous or maybe daring thing that you've done besides be a professional wrestler, of course? Not that that's spontaneous, but I would say that <laughs> that's more daring than most people would do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, skateboarding is pretty gnarly. Going down hills fast is gnarly. Honestly, moving to England, I did that on a whim. Thought about you might say that. Yeah, like literally, I just like one day I was like, okay, I'm gonna apply for this visa, and I just did, it and then bought flights. Twenty seventeen, you would have been nineteen, twenty years old. Yeah, I was nineteen, and I okay, and like another thing, I literally went to America to meet Connor, and I've never met this man, and we were you gonna know, move in. I have met a lot of people on that I'm friends with not romantically but I have also gone to meet people that I have never met in person Charlie so like I get that not I haven't flown across the world um but I have traveled to meet people you know but it worked out in the end didn't it yeah exactly I was thinking about this the other day I was like fuck my parents didn't even freak out about that like (laughs) like oh yeah gonna just 
pop off to America right now. Mm-hmm. My country is also in lockdown and no one's allowed to leave, so I had to get a government exemption. Yeah. I also don't have a return flight. Um, <laughs> I'm just staying there, going to move in with this man straight away. But it worked out. Thank so God you gotta, it did. you got to take logical chances. It worked out. Sometimes you just got to get lucky, too. Maybe it doesn't have to be that logical. I don't know. You obviously had it planned out, though. So I will give you credit there. You had that. <laughs> you had the. You had how to get there and stuff planned out. And thank God it worked out, you know. Um, it was iconic, though. I, I still remember that. Like, it was a huge surprise. I still remember the YouTube video that you guys made. It. Are you guys engaged now? I think it yeah. is. Yeah. Do you guys have any plans to win? Not right now. Okay. Not right now. It's it's very hard because obviously his family's in America. My yeah. family's here. So I don't know. No no rush on it right now. Yeah. That's very kind of yeah. just vibing and enjoying life. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Charlie, again, this has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you as always. Before we let you go, can you please share where the people can find you online? Um, Charlie Evans Pro on Instagram and Twitter. You'll have to actually type it in the whole thing because I'm shadow banned on both. Probably. Yeah, it's fine. Well, you were you were suspended, so I I, I guess that was a long I don't know how you got that lifted, but I guess Twitter oh, I was the most nice. annoying person of all time to Twitter. I would email them <laughs> every day and I was like, listen here. I was like, I don't want to talk to a fucking robot. I want to talk to a real person. <laughs> and finally they're like, oh yeah, you're fine. <laughs> so just intimidate them. Um, but yeah, so Charlie Evans Pro on Instagram and Twitter. That's where I am mostly. And then OnlyFans is Charlie Evans. You can find me from Instagram and Twitter. But yeah, yeah. That's- she brings uh the artist you have so much artistry about you in the ring and obviously outside charlie thank you so much again for chatting with me like i said i still love the aesthetic your hair is matching your background that i don't know if that was intentional but it is so i love it i love it thank you thank you so much again thanks for having me